this morning. Lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. Some of you are getting ahead of me. You need to slow down. <laughs> and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad that you are learning that. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, this is our third week we've been talking about the power of hope. And you probably noticed today that, that the H has been painted. Each week we're going to be painting some of these until the big reveal on Easter. But I want you to be thinking right now of somebody that you can invite to the Easter service. I'm already starting to obviously think about the service, and I'm very excited about what God's going to do. I want you to think of somebody that you know that's hurting and lost and needs an encounter with the risen Savior, and I want you to bring them. Next week, we're going to have some things for you to hand out, some invitation cards, but I want you to be praying about that now. You know, if every family will bring one family or one person we know, God's house will be full. And it's not about numbers. You guys know that. It's about changed lives. So I want you to really think of someone and bring them. And then if you really love them, take them to lunch afterwards. Isn't that a blessing? All God's people said. All five of you said that. Come on, you got to step up. But seriously, I want you to think of someone you can invite. And, and what could be better to give somebody on Easter than the gift of the risen Savior? Amen. He's the help that we all need. Well, we've been talking about the power of hope. And the message today is about dreams. Because here's what hope is really about. Hope is really about seeing a future that we want to see. As a matter of fact, I put it in your notes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. This is God talking. God is saying, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. In other words, I know how I think about you, God says. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's saying, I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan, and it's a plan that gives you a future, something you desire to see, and I hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest is love, but hope is right behind that. Hope is huge in the kingdom of God. Why is hope huge? Here's the definition of biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of a future blessedness or a desired end. Hope is out in front of us. I talked the last couple of weeks about hope is the target, faith is the arrow, but you have to have a target so you have something to shoot at. And that's what hope is. It's a dream. It's something that God stirs up in our imagination about a future event, a future opportunity in our lives, and it keeps us moving forward. We move forward because of hope. Some of you that are in high school, you have a hope of graduation. You're looking forward to that. You're working towards that goal. Some of you maybe in college are working towards graduation. Some of you maybe in a relationship where you're engaged or planning on getting married and you're hoping for that event. Some of you that are married are in hope that your marriage can be all that it's intended to be. Hope is out in front of us and God sets it there on purpose for us to strive towards something. That's biblical hope. But here's the layman's definition. Here's the Chris Clem redneck definition. Maybe that's a better way to put it. When you have hope, you have a supernatural expectancy that what God has promised will come to pass in your life. 
I'm going to read that again. When you have hope, you have a supernatural expectancy that what God has promised will come to pass in your life. And I want to tell you the story I'm going to talk to you about today is one of the greatest stories in the Bible about hope when it looks like there is no hope. It's about hope deferred. It's about dreams that God's given somebody that seem there's no way that they're going to happen. That's what this Bible story is about. And it's as real today as it was back when it was written. Because God has a plan for each of our lives. He's told us that. I have a plan for each of you individually. Wardell, God has a plan for your life. He has a specific plan for your life. And in my mind's eye, I have this imagination that, and I'm totally imagining this, but I imagine in heaven there's this, there's this library, and, and in the library is everybody's names, and, there, and it's a book, and there's a book with your name on it, and it's the story of your life. And in that story, if you were to open it up and read, God's got his hope for you in that story. He has a plan. He says, I have a plan for you. But we have a part to play. We have to cooperate with God's plan for it to come to pass. God is not going to make it happen for you. He wants you to participate. We, in other words, we all have a choice to make. God doesn't expect us to sit on our blessed assurance and not do anything in our lives. God wants us to get out and move forward in our relationship with him and step forward in faith and hope and move out ahead and grasp what we have in our future. Do you understand me? You have a part to play. We have to all step forward and play our part. I want to talk to you today about Joseph. Old Testament Joseph, and, and I love the story of Joseph, and it's one of those stories that spans many chapters in the Bible, so there was no way that I could put it all in here. We'd be here for a week, and I'm not going to do that to you. Somebody say amen. We've got we to get out and beat the Baptist to lunch, so I'm going to try to help you here. But, but here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. God has this amazing story in Joseph that we can all take note of and begin to apply to our own lives. Genesis 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Let me read you a little bit about Joseph, give you some background. Joseph was Jacob's son, right? This is Joseph. And, and Joseph was one of the sons of promise in the Bible that God had given us. He, he had, God had this great plan for his life. He was one of many brothers. His brothers eventually became the nation of Israel. So Joseph is, is one of the big figures in the Bible, one of the big figures. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan, and this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. How would you like to have people like that named in your family? His father's wives and Joseph bought, brought a bad report of them to his father. Let me just break this down to you. Joseph was out in the field with his brothers, and his brothers were messing around. So what did Joseph do? Do what? Ran and told. He outed them. Joseph saw his brothers messing around, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go tell daddy. <laughs> right? Right, Clella? Right? That's what he did. He saw his brothers out messing around. He said, you know what? I'm going to go tell daddy. So he went home, and he told his dad all that his brothers were doing. Everybody loves a tattletale, don't they? How many of you have had a tattletale in your family? How many of you are a tattletale? Let me see your hands. Come on now. There you go. They're the honest ones. 
They're not just kids, are they? They're grown-ups too. But that's what Joseph would. He would go and he would tattle on his brothers. As you can imagine, he was so loved by them. Now Israel loved, now this is something else. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made Joseph a coat or a tunic of many colors. You've heard that story of Joseph in the many-colored coat. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than them, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed all your sheaves stood around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. And let me paint this for you. Joseph is a tattletale. Joseph is the favored son. Joseph has a really cool coat. (laughs) Joseph is being given dreams by God. And in Joseph's dreams, all of his brothers, who, by the way, are older than him, that he's talking to here, are bowing down to him. He has another dream, which I didn't have room to put in here, that his, actually his father and mother bowed down to him as well. And he tells that story also. So Joseph is not what you call the favored son of his brothers, is he? They hate him. It says it over and over. They hated him. They hated him. They hated him. And they didn't just dislike him. They hated him. Well, the story goes on that the brothers are out tending their flocks and and the dad says, hey, Joseph, I want you to go out and and check on your brothers and see how they're doing. So he goes out there and Joseph's walking along in his nice many-colored coat to go spy on his brothers and see how they're doing, right? And they see him coming. And when they see him coming, they conspire to kill him. Now, this is family dysfunction, isn't it? How many of you have ever said to your brother and sister, if you do this again, I will strangle you, I will kill you? I mean, you know, you've had those thoughts before. These guys meant it. These guys meant it. And so what they did is they tore his cloak off, and they were going to kill him. One of the brothers intervened, so they took his tunic and ripped it up, dipped it in blood, sent it back to his dad and said he was killed by a wild animal. They threw him down in a well to die. Some slave traders passed by on their way to Egypt, and they said, hey, instead of killing him, let's sell him and make a little money. So they pull him up out of the pit, sell him into slavery. Wow, that's messed up. That is really, really messed up, isn't it? So I want you to understand something today. Joseph had a dream. He had a vision from God. He had a hope and a future. God had this great plan for him that he was going to be this leader, and he was going to be such a great leader that even the brothers, even his brothers, his family was going to bow down to him. That was his future. And there's a lesson there, guys. Whenever God gives you a vision, one of the things you don't need to do, and this isn't in your notes, don't go blabbing it to everybody. Test it and wait on it. You can write that in the side of your notes there. You don't entrust that vision to everyone. But anyway, so he's sold off into slavery. No fun. 
I'm going to continue the story in a second. I want you to look at your notes when we're talking about dreams today. The Lord showed me this this week. We were actually in our creative team meeting. God kind of gave me four P's for you today. The first P that we're going to talk about in dreams and hope is position. The first P is position. Listen to me. God has a dream for your life simply because you're his child. When you are a child of God, God has a dream for your life. And we read that in Jeremiah 29, 11. When you're, a Christ, when you're a Christian, God has a dream and a plan for your life, everybody. So because of that relationship with him, because you are his child, because of your position in the kingdom of God, you have a dream. You have a hope. It's a promise. Everybody. So when you become a Christian, when you become born again, when you become into the family of God, God has a dream for you. It's your birthright. It's your birthright. It's your position. Jeremiah 29, 11, I read that. Romans 8, 15 says this. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the word Abba means Daddy. Our position in the body of Christ is that we are, we are the sons and daughters of God. We are his kids. And he adopted us. He adopted us. You know what that means? You're not an accident. You're not an accident. Mark, God picked you on purpose. The Holy Spirit, he sent the Holy Spirit to draw you to him on purpose. He handpicked you, Brian, same thing. God looked down and he, he said, I'm going to reach out to this one. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to send my spirit out on the earth and I'm going to draw people specifically to me. And I'm going to adopt them into my family. Has nothing to do with your background, your past. Doesn't have to do with your talent or your good looks. It just has to do with the fact that God chose you. And he, did, he didn't choose you like with the story of Cinderella to go in and scrub the floors. He chose you to be treasured. Abba, Father, Daddy. He's Daddy. Some of you don't understand that because maybe you didn't have that kind of a relationship with your father. But God is a good father, and he is your Daddy, and he loves you so much. And because of your position, he has a plan for you and a dream for your life. Here's number two. The second P is preparation and process. Preparation and process. You say, well, pastor, what in the world does that mean? This is what it means. Before your dream can come to pass, there is a process to get you there. Before your dream can come to pass, there is a process to get you, get you there. There is a getting from here to there. It doesn't just happen. God didn't just give Joseph this dream and it happened that day. God gave him the dream that was out in the future and then he had to walk towards the dream. And that's where faith comes in like the arrow. And I know some of you now are starting to get the picture a little bit more clear. God gives you a vision and a future, right? But you have to walk through that and that's a process. That's a process, Genesis 39, verses 2 through 4 says this. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. What happened is he went in, he was sold as a slave to a guy named Potiphar. Everybody say Potiphar. Man, his parents must have been mad at him to name him that, but 
Potiphar. So then this guy's name was Potiphar, and he was a, he was a high-ranking military official. Okay, he was a big wig, head of the guard and lots of different things, but he was a big wig in the kingdom. And so Joseph was, sl- was sold to Potiphar as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So here's the deal. Joseph is sold into slavery. But you know what? Joseph still has some hope. He still has some hope. And he says, you know what, God? This is bad, and this doesn't look like the plan that I had, but I believe your dream, so, so I'm going to serve diligently. So he goes into Potiphar's house, and he said, you know what, God? I'm going to serve anyway. I'm going to believe you anyway, even though this doesn't look like the plan, and I don't see how this is going to work. God blesses him. The Bible says God blesses him as a slave, so he's working as a slave, and God blesses him, and everything he set his hand to prospered. Wow. Even as a slave, he's in the house, and he eventually becomes over everything. He begins to run the whole house underneath Potiphar as a slave. You know, there's a lesson there, folks. Some of you feel like you work for a slave master, don't you? Tana, don't you say anything. (laughs) But some of you feel like you work for a slave master. You feel like you're, you're working for somebody. You don't understand why you're here. Maybe you've got this vision, this plan for your life, and you don't understand how working in this place is going to get you there. Let me tell you what. Your attitude has everything to do with it. And some of you, ooh, I'm going to step on somebody's toes right now, have a bad attitude, and you carry that to work, and you act like that. I'm not going to sleep this floor, stupid floor. I'm going to put some out here. I'm going to knock this off the shelf. You know, you got a bad attitude. God's not going to bless you. God is not going to bless you. Boy, y'all got so quiet. You were laughing a minute ago. But you've got to have a good attitude. Why? Because when you have a good attitude, you're doing it as unto God. And he will bless you and he will prosper you even in a place that you don't want to be. But it's part of the process. And as he began to serve diligently, he was promoted up through that household until now he was running things. And you know what? He was still a slave, but he was the head slave. And it wasn't the fulfillment of his dream yet, but he was the head slave. That's pretty cool. Well, something else happened. You know, something else happened. Let's read Genesis 39, 19 through 23. Well, I'm going to have to give you some background before I do that. Potiphar's wife had the hots for Joseph. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a good-looking young man, and he was a slave, and Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. So she began to chase him, and the Bible says all the time she was saying, come sleep with me, come sleep with me, and Joseph was saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sin against God. I'm not going to sin against your husband. I'm not going to do it. Stood his ground, stood his ground. Boy, there's a lot of lessons there. Stood his ground. Well, one day everybody was out of the house and nobody was around. And so he went in there, he was doing something, and she snuck in and said, come sleep with me. He said, man, woman, I've told you a million times, no, I'm not going to sin against God, I'm not going to sin against you. She was mad at him. So she came over, started grabbing his clothes and everything. He took off running. 
When he took off running, he ran straight out of his clothes. And she was standing there holding his shorts. <laughs> and, and he took off, and she was so mad, she started screaming, rape, rape, rape. Joseph was just trying to get away and not sin. He's being falsely accused. Now we'll pick up the story. Genesis 39, 19 through 23. So it was when his master Potiphar heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant, your servant did me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Listen to this. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And here's a familiar line. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Hmm. Strike two for Joseph. First, my brothers try to kill me, throw me in a pit, sell me as a slave. But you know what? I kept a pretty good attitude. It was hard, torn away from everything I love, sent to a foreign country. It was hard. But you know what, God? I served you diligently. And now, God, here I am, and I'm serving as a slave in this house. And this woman is coming on to me, but I want to honor you and honor my master, so I'm not going to sleep with her. I'm not going to sin. And so, God, I'm doing the right thing, and now I'm falsely accused. And Potiphar's not looking at all the good things that I did. He throws me in prison. And, guys, I want you to understand something. When they threw him in prison, it wasn't so he could sit around and watch the Jerry Springer show on TV and get three square meals a day and go on a smoke break. These prisons were horrible. A lot of folks died there. It wasn't a fun place to go. The Bible tells us scholars, and I studied this this week, scholars tell us that between two and 13 years, Joseph was there in prison. They're not sure exactly how many years, two to 13. Some say five, some say at least two, because we know it was at least two. Some say it could be as many as 13. The odds are stacking up against Joseph. Now, I want to tell you something. This is for so many of us, including myself. When God has given you a dream and the world is coming against this dream, the people that were closest to you betray you. You work hard and you're betrayed by those that are around you. Sometimes it's your decisions that get you there. Sometimes it's those around you, and you're in the prison. That's where dreams die. And some of you are there. You don't see how this marriage can recover. You don't see how your finances are going to get better. You don't see how you're going to be a better employee. You don't see how this lost kid's going to come home. And this dream you had of a great life is now something you can't even lift up your head and look at because your circumstances have surrounded you, and you're drowning in yourself. So Joseph's here. Another interesting thing happened to Joseph here, guys. While he was in the prison, a couple of prison guys got thrown in there. 
steward and a baker, and they come to him, and, and they have this vision, and Joseph interprets their visions, and one of them gets freed, and as he's getting freed to go back to serve in the court of Pharaoh, he says, remember me. Remember me when you get out. The man leaves and forgets about him, and two more years he's in the prison. So hope rose, and then hope got squashed again. Strike three. We're talking about preparation and process. Listen to this. Before your dream can come to pass, there's a process. There is a getting from here to there. And here's the point. This is the big point today. We must surrender our dreams to God's process. We must surrender our dreams to God's process. It's not about your time frame, but it's about his time frame, and you have to get used to it. Because, see, we want what, what we believe is ours right now. How many of you have that mentality? I want what I want, and I want it right now. Come on, be honest, raise your hands. The rest of you are lying <laughs> in church. <laughs> But that's how we are. We want what we want, and we want it now. And if God gives us a dream of something, we want to run out and do it right now. But you're not ready for it. But it's even bigger than that. God has a plan for your life, but you need to learn to surrender to his plan for your life and relax in his process and trust him because it's about his kingdom and what he has planned for you. Preparation is not fun, but it is necessary. The vision and the dream have to be something that you're willing to die for. Let me tell you what happened. Somewhere in that prison, there was a date, there was a minute, there was a second when I know Joseph had to think, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. God, I, I can't do this. God, this is too hard. God, I know you gave me that dream, but, but I don't see how this is going to work. And he had this crisis. There was a time he had a crisis, and I'm sure it spanned over many months, maybe even years. But there came a point that he said, you know what, God? I'm going to surrender to you. Here I am, Lord. Here's my life. Lord, use me however you want to use me. And he was broken. And he surrendered to God's process. You know, he's not the only one that ever did that. Look in your notes. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 42. Jesus. And he was withdrawn from his disciples about a stone's throw away. And Jesus knelt down and he prayed and he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus didn't want to have to go through what he went through either. But he loved God, and he was willing to submit himself to God's process. And I want you to understand this today. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You have to surrender to the Lord, knowing that his plan for your life is bigger than what you can understand. And it's going to get hard. It's going to be hard, guys. And sometimes you feel like the cup that you've been given is too much. But Jesus trusted God more than he trusted his circumstance. 
And we need to all learn that. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Here's number three. The promise, the last P is promise, equals dream fulfilled. Promise equals dream fulfilled. Pharaoh had a dream. He had a vision, and these visions were talking about famines that were coming up in the land. But Pharaoh couldn't understand the dreams. He couldn't interpret them. So he sent out into the kingdom. He said, find me somebody that can interpret these dreams. And the guy that was set free in the prison went, oh, yeah, a couple years ago when I almost died, there was this guy in prison, and I forgot about him. But he interpreted my dream. Maybe you should go get him. So, so Pharaoh sent for him, and they brought Joseph in. Joseph was a different man now. You know one of the things, I don't have it in your notes, one of the things that Joseph said, Pharaoh looked at him and said, tell, tell me what my dream is. And, and, and Joseph said, God's the one that interprets those. Humility. Brokenness. He wasn't the stand up and look at me, you guys are all gonna bow down to me guy anymore. He was broken before God and humble. So Joseph interpreted the dreams Here's what we'll pick up, verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh that Joseph gave him and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God, a pagan king, a pagan king. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Scholars tell us that when Joseph would go out in his chariot, he had a, like a Cadillac chariot or something, a Lexus chariot. He would go out and a guy would run out ahead of him and holler that he was coming and everybody would bow down. It's a long way from the prison, isn't it? And so Joseph had interpreted this dream that this great famine was going to come into the land. And so they would have to prepare for seven years. And so they began to store up for this famine, and sure enough, it hit. And when it did, all the region was underneath this famine. People were dying, but they would come to Egypt to purchase grain. And Joseph's brothers were dying. Of course, they thought he was dead a long time ago or still in prison. He was out of the picture. And their father said, you need to go to Egypt. We need to get some grain. So they go to Egypt. And his brothers come to him, and they're asking for grain, and Joseph recognizes who they are. And he says, where's your youngest brother? So they sent back and brought him, and Joseph ends up keeping him, spending time with him. And the Bible tells us that Joseph is brokenhearted. He's so overwhelmed when he sees his brothers. The Scripture actually tells us he has to go into a different room because he's weeping. <laughs> Not with vengeance. Because if there was ever a payback time, y'all, here it was. And then he says, go bring your father back. When you bring your father back, I'll release your younger brother. Y'all are going to have to read the story. 
one of the most beautiful stories in Scripture. But his brothers come back to him. And Joseph reveals who he is, and they bow down to him, and the Scripture is fulfilled. But it wasn't the way Joseph thought. Listen to this. Listen to the heart of someone who's broken. Genesis 50, verse 20. This is what his brothers say. His brothers say, you're going to take vengeance on us? You're going to get after us? What are you going to do to us? And here's what Joseph says. But as for you, his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Listen, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. To save many people alive. Joseph had become so submitted to God's process. See, what Joseph didn't realize, remember as a young man, all he could see was the glory of being the big dog, right? I'm the quarterback, I'm the man, that's what he saw. But what he didn't realize is the dream that God had given him was to save a nation. Was to save a nation. And this whole process, this whole time was about working these things out in his heart and preparing him to be the man that God could use to save a nation. And in the course of that, it changed his heart. And it's the same for each of us. That if we won't ring out, if we won't quit, see, Joseph could have quit every day, every second in that prison, he could have quit. Every day in Potiphar's house, he could have quit. And yet the dream was so big inside of him. And hope was so big inside of him that he wouldn't allow the hope to die. And even though the flame became very small, I'm sure many times just an ember, God fanned that flame. And Joseph was broken before God. Some of you, and I want to encourage you today, some of you just need to allow God to finish the work that he started in your life. The brokenness, the feeling of the dream not being fulfilled. And understand we're all going to go through hard times. Jesus did. Joseph did. Many, many times in the scripture you'll see this. And understand that God has a plan. God has this amazing plan for our lives. And if we'll just stick through it, it's not going to be just for us. See, Joseph's brothers bowing down to him weren't about, well, it wasn't about Joseph, was it? It was about saving the whole generation of people. And God has a plan like that for you. And it may be that his plan for you is about saving your family and the families around you. It may be about saving our community. It may be about saving our country. Why? God's no respecter of persons. But you have to be submitted to the process. And guys, this is the key. Surrender. Surrender. Because it's not going to look like what you think. God has a plan and a process, and it's going to be his way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I worship you. You are awesome. You're an amazing.